Hello and welcome to The Artist Appeals, the podcast where we answer the question, how do you make a living with your art? In this podcast, we interview leading industry experts, working artists and creatives about how they make a living with their art. We seek the secret sauce to how do you make a living with your art? How do you make money with your art? So whether you're a photographer, a graphic designer, an illustrator, a hand letterer, are you a designer, a sculptor, a painter, whatever you need and may be, we have answers. We interview everybody we can get our hands on, leading industry experts from craft company CEOs to working entrepreneur, artistpreneurs. So welcome to the Artist Appeals. I am your host, Erin Sparler, and this is season three. This is the first interview of season three. I'm happy to introduce you to a wonderful, amazing painter. Her artwork is very unique. She creates paintings that are essentially paper collage, but she hand paints her papers. So her papers are custom painted and then cut and collage into these amazing paintings. She does a sketch first and then a full-on painting underneath and then covers it all up with paper. Crazy, right? She's kind of like Eric Carle, the uh, author, artist who wrote The Hungry Little Caterpillar, you know the kids book? So beautiful. Well, she's like that, but on steroids. Uh, Her work has been featured in numerous stores, craft shows, where she's also a licensed artist. She has her work on dozens and dozens of products, and her work has even been in Pure One for multiple years. So, without further ado, she gives us some incredible tips and tricks in Season 3. Um, she shares with us the secret sauce, those things that have made her the most money, as well as methods and things that she does to gain more attention and what has worked and what hasn't. She gives us all sorts of amazing tips and tricks in today's episode, the first interview of Season 3 of The Artist Appeals. Please help me welcome Elizabeth St. Hilaire. Now, I do want to take a quick moment to just tell you that I mispronounced her name in the prequel or teaser short episode of The Artist Peels on Thursday, or was it Wednesday? Yes, indeed. It's not Hillard, it's Hilaire, like Hill and Air on top. So, I just wanted to take a moment to correct that and let you know that her name is pronounced Elizabeth St. Clair. And away we go. Well, I'm so happy to have you on The Artist Appeals, uh, where we talk about the business of art. Tell me a little bit about how you came to your current style of work. How did you find or develop it? You know what I mean? Like, how did you find this amazing, beautiful style? Let me just for the people out there, tell them you make kind of like collages, but almost painted over, right? Well, I don't actually paint on the top, Erin. I do a painting underneath and then the image ultimately is created completely by hand painted paper collaged over the top. So yes, they're collages. Oh, brilliant. That is unique. How did you find or develop this style? Well, I uh, I earned uh, my BFA at Syracuse University and was trained in all the classic media. Um, and I graduated in 1990. So back then, they didn't recognize mixed media as as um, something, uh, 
you know, to acknowledge, I guess, um, it was all, you know, watercolor, oil, acrylic, soft pastel drawing. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, years later after I graduated, I felt like my classic training had given me a really tight style. I was Mm. um, really focused on rendering reality because when I was in art school, the goal was to uh, draw what you see and um, render it exactly as you see it. And that was sort of the the mark of talent. It wasn't really the impressionistic kind of your take on it. It has been like that for years. I mean, and there's even a style called photorealism now, right? Where, or, um, trompe de lit, full the eye. Yeah. Trompe de l'eau. Yeah. Um, I mispronounced that. Sorry. My bad. No, it's French. (laughs) It's, um, um, yeah, but that is full the eye and it's, and and that's been, that's, uh, you know, style of like photorealism, as you say. So I was sort of locked into that, you know, realistic style and I wanted to loosen up. So I started, I started gluing down paper uh, crumpled up and drawing and painting over it, you know, trying to distort the surface, hoping that that would loosen me up. And Mm. the more paper I glued in to kind of give the surface a texture, I started thinking, well, I could make this actually work with the paint. And then I started Mm -hmm. using more paper and less paint. And then I gave myself a challenge and said, geez, I wonder if I could create this whole image out of just the paper and no paint. And Mm -hmm. that's sort of where it started. So it was originally, uh, you know, an exercise in loosening up and ultimately became my signature uh, medium. That's really cool. I hope you don't um, mind the comparison, but you know the famous author Carl, um, uh, the the hungry caterpillar, uh, Carl Eric Eric's, Carl. Eric Carl's. Thank you. Yeah. Um, you know he has this painted paper and collage, and yours is like on steroids. <laughs> uh, well, the difference between Eric Carl's work and and my own, uh, we both hand paint our own papers. He he right? he painted. Um, tissue paper mm-hmm. and um he would cut it with an exacto knife and and um and he would use large flat shapes so like the caterpillar was like three large flat shapes balls right. that formed the body so um i love his hand painted papers and i love his work and where where ours differs is that i i treat all my little pieces of paper like brush marks so oh. I'm trying to create a painting and I'm using the little pieces of paper as I would brush marks. So I do a lot of shading and I do a lot of little torn pieces and shapes that would mimic, you know, the mark of the paintbrush. Um, oh, yeah. So I never really, I never use big flat pieces at all. I always use pieces that are just like the size of the mark of a brush. That's really cool. It's gorgeous work. Gorgeous. Thank you. Um, Let's talk about, I always like to keep these in this appeals format where we do art, product, presentation, educate, amplify, and then licensing. And it helps them, I really think, to keep everything in, um, there's so much information to learn and convey when you're an artist and a creative trying to make a living in the the arts. So what types of products does your work work on and how do you find that it works best and how do you sell your work? Well... The products, um, my work is on a lot of products, Erin. It's on, it's on, um, it's on clocks and bedspreads and pillows and reproduced on wall art and all, all, all kinds of things, really anything you can imagine. And, and it reads awesome. Yeah. Thank you. It reproduces well, um, because it has sort of a graphic nature to it. Um, Mm -hmm. I use a lot of text and type in my whites and, 
um, all those little paper brush marks are really nicely divided visually. And um, so it reproduces, uh, it reproduces really well. And I did spend um, about 20 something years as a graphic designer. So mm-hmm. um, I have a strong sense of composition and, and, and a concept of what reproduces well in terms of, you know, um, mm-hmm. photographing or scanning and, and reprinting uh, because I worked in that industry for a long time. So um, where'd you work? So, yeah, I was, I worked for, I worked for some in-house marketing departments. I, I worked cool. in Florida for, I did some work for the Orlando magic. Um, and then I, um, I became a, well, I was a, I was self-employed really for 20 years as a graphic artist. So it okay. was kind of the best job because it allowed me to further my painting career at the same time as I was working for myself on the computer. Um, well, so. you're big time into licensing. How did you discover licensing? How did you make this transition from a graphic designer and then self-employed graphic designer to a licensed artist, licensing your artwork and your paintings on products? Well, um, you know, a lot of artists, up and coming emerging artists ask me that. How did you, how did you get into licensing? How can I get into licensing? Yeah. um, uh, So inquiring minds want to know. Yeah. Right. (laughs) I mean, everybody wants to know that people, uh, but um, so basically what happened, it was sort of, it was sort of uh, uh, serendipitous and and it wasn't something that I was seeking out. I was, um, I was, I lived in Orlando at the time and I was invited to be um, one of the stable artists in a gallery in um, Sarasota. So, uh, the first, uh, and I was required to attend X amount of art walks, uh, throughout the year. So the very first mm-hmm. art walk that I attended the, um, I didn't know anybody there, um, the other artists and, um, you know, people coming in cause it, I was new and there was a gentleman that was standing in front of my art for a really long time. So of course I went up and introduced myself and said, if you know, if you have any questions about the process, you know, the papers are all hand painted. There are no magazines because mm-hmm. people always ask me that. Is it magazines? You know? Right. And um, so I explained the process a little bit and uh, he looked at me and he said, I'm a licensing agent and um, I really like your work and I feel like it would reproduce really well. And if you would be interested in, in licensing your work, here's my card. So, uh, you know, I wasn't looking for licensing at all. I, I, I had hoped this guy was going to buy a painting, but uh, ultimately he ended up being my agent and we've been working together now for, gosh, going on 10 years. And, oh, that's um, awesome. Yeah, yeah. And so, uh, and, and technology as it as, uh, would have it, um, I've only actually met Michael in person twice, I think. Um, in those 10 years we work, we work remotely. And, and back then he lived in Sarasota and I lived in Orlando, but now, now I'm pretty sure he lives in Portugal. Um, right. Mm-hmm. But it was quite funny because I, when he moved to Portugal, I said, you know, how is this going to affect our working relationship? And he said, my darling, you know, he's British. My darling, he said, you know, it won't matter a bit. We could work together on the moon as long as there was Wi-Fi. <laughs> I love which is, it. Which is true, you know, because our, our, our correspondence is all all technology, you know, yeah. email. So yeah. so, yeah, so that's how I ended up being licensed. And and the licensing really helped advance my career as a fine artist because it, it um, brought me uh, incredible exposure. I had a calendar with Lang. Um, oh, I had uh, wall art in Pier One and Home Goods, um, and Pier wow. One. Uh, I had several pieces in Pier One, and they were in every store across the country. So, Brilliant! Yeah, so that really helped me because people would Google me. They would, you know, look at the signature and Google me, or they, you know, get the calendar or whatever, and they would reach out to me. 
um, about workshops, which is the other primary source of my income as a fine artist is teaching. Oh, you know, that leads so smoothly into education, although we haven't really hit on presentation. So let's just keep it in line and do presentation first. But, you know, so many of the artists that I've interviewed on the um, show do talk about how teaching is really not just a, a primary form of income, but it really helps to expand their network and provide them with extra opportunities. But it sounds like, you know, with presentation, you made sure to sign all your work. We had a uh, Maria Brophy on and she was talking about how Drew always, always, always signed all of his surfboards and how to this day people will contact them and be like, I got this surfboard. Is it one of yours? And they can say, does it have a signature? Um, when you were presenting your work um, for licensing, do you make sure that your signature is really legible? And so now your work is on products and all over these places and you're doing workshops. Um, do you have any tips or tricks for people about how to present your work in the best light? That could be, you know, file types or online since it's COVID or, or anything like that. You want to talk a little bit about presentation and, and some of your tips and tricks for that? Well, some of my best, I think one of my best advice uh, nuggets that I give my students with regards to signing is do sign legibly. And I, you know, do as I say, not as I do. I'm very guilty <laughs> of, a, of an illegible signature. Um, uh, it's the A-I-R-E part of it. it. A lot of times it ends up just being a bunch of lumps. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I do. Everybody thinks my S looks so weird. And it's, you know, you do want it to be legible because you want someone to be able to see a print of your work in Pier 1 and take a photograph of the signature and go home and find you. So, um, so yeah. uh, what, well, quick funny stories. So um, do you know I Delilah? I love funny stories. Do you know Delilah from the radio? Delilah. She's no, on, no, I don't. She's a radio host. She's been, she's, she has her own station on iHeartRadio and she's been on the radio for like 40 years. She has 10 million listeners. Oh, wow. Um, and she found me through my artwork. She uh, was in a restaurant, went to the restroom. In the hallway to the restroom was a reproduction of a couple of my rooster prints. Delilah grew up on a farm. She loves roosters. She has her own chickens and stuff at, on her farm. And so she took photos of the signature, took photos of the art, and went home to look me up. And she teased me and said, your signature was illegible. I couldn't figure out how to put it in there. And I said, oh, that's horrible because I tell everyone, make sure it's legible. <laughs> so she said, ultimately, I, I went in and Googled collage, torn paper, rooster, and mm -hmm. there you came up. So, um, and we've become friends. Which is really nice, but 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 it's uh it's a perfect example that this does happen. You know, people do right. find you, and you do need to try to be legible. And then my other nugget of wisdom is that I always tell my students: never date your work on the front. Um, Good advice, yeah. Because you know, our we are a society of we want the new, uh, the new and improved. We want everything new mm -hmm. and recent. We don't want anything old. So if you've got a piece that's been hanging around for 10 years and you put it out there to sell it and it's got a 10 year old date on it, there's a perceived value that that is, there's something wrong with it that it hasn't sold in 10 years. Right. Um, so, uh, so I always tell my students, you know what, date it on the back or date it in your computer program that you keep track of your work in, but don't date it on the front. Um, yeah. I'm guilty of that. And then I've had to do extra work removing it for yeah. the reproductions. Yes. Well, that's another thing, you know, um, 
sometimes with Michael, um, there are some retailers that don't want signatures on the work. I have no idea why. Um, mm. But I had a piece uh, with Pier One that was like my most famous piece with Pier One that was with them for years and years and years. And there's two versions of it out there. At one mm -hmm. point, it had my signature, and at another point, it didn't. Um, mm. So that that's interesting too. Um, yeah. But um, with regards to your story about the surfboard, I get I get emails like that too. And really, some of the the wall art that was reproduced they would embellish it with um, mm. some brush marks and some gel medium on top and it would be yeah. on canvas and people would assume it was an original. So they would email me and say, I got this at an auction or I found this, you know, an estate sale and it's an original. What is it worth? And I always ask, is it on canvas? Because I don't work on canvas. I work on wood, you know? Okay. So like your surfboard guy says, is it signed? Well, I say, is it on canvas? And the minute they say, yes, it's on canvas, I tell them it's not an original, it's a reproduction. And it's funny because people try to argue with me. No, no, there's brush marks. There's this, there's that. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like I don't ever work on stretched canvas. So, so that's always how Why I is that? Tell. Well, I have to apply a lot of pressure to get the collage pieces to stay down perfectly flat. Mm. And in the middle of stretch canvas, I can't get as enough pressure to get the pieces down flat because it'll tends to flux. Um, and um, so I just, makes prefer, sense. I just prefer the rigid surface. If I do use canvas, I use canvas board, the flat uh, canvas that's over a, oh, cool. a mat board. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you might want to like bray air out or roll out some of those bubbles and stuff. Right. I use the brush to do that, but basically, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, you got to smooth out, you got to press all the air out from under it, and you got to apply a lot of pressure to get it to go down flat. So I use a rigid surface, and I didn't, you know, intend, you know, for that to be the the uh, telltale sign. But like I said, I always, the, I don't even, I don't have even have to let people go in any deeper than is it on canvas. <laughs> I think that's really kind of a, another, a third tip almost, you know, one, always sign it, make it sure it's legible Two, don't date it. Or if you do put it on the back and mm -hmm. three, you know, if you have a signature medium, a signature um, foundation, a substrate, if you will, yes. not medium, but, but substrate, well, you have a, a signature medium, which makes your style really unique and a signature substrate, you know, foundation. So that really allows you to tell the difference between your, your um, licensed work and your original work. I think those are three great tips. Yeah. Yeah. Are you enjoying the artist appeals? I know I love recording it. This is just a quick break to encourage you to get your free download of the top four things that you can do to make money with your art at howtomakemoneywithyourart.com. So get your free download at howtomakemoneywithyourart.com today. And now back to your regular program. So moving into education, you teach, you do a lot of workshops, blah, blah, workshops now, <laughs> excuse me, as I, I get tongue tied. Um, do you do them out of your home or especially now with COVID, have you transitioned them to virtual or? Well, or before pre-COVID, I was, I travel to teach. So I travel okay. all across the country as well as internationally. So I oh, would neat. travel on average of twice a month. Um, wow. And so I was go, 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 you know, all, yeah. all the time. Un, so this you know, is maybe unpacked. a nice, nice rest for you. <laughs> well, at first uh, it was, uh, <laughs> and, and it still is sort of, but I'm, but, but I got to see so many interesting places that I'm just sort right. of missing that, you know, and yeah. people, I love people. So 
I, I love meeting new people. I love, you know, people that love art are always wonderful to talk to. I yeah. find that when you have a, a room full of people, they inspire each other. They also inspire me. We all learn and grow from each other. And that's very, it's hard to replicate that online. Um, I am teaching online via Zoom. Um, I had to figure that out in about five minutes so I could make the pivot to <laughs> online because, um, you know, the, the, the art centers that were canceling started asking me, would you teach it online for us? You know, so I started doing right. that and I, I faci facilitate some online courses myself. Um, I have pre-recorded mm -hmm. online classes as well as live and I am on Patreon and that Patreon has really become sort of the um the safety net of the situ of the current situation honestly really yes the online mm. classes you know uh, come and go you know you'll i'll have one a month maybe um or maybe one every six weeks uh but the patreon is a monthly subscription um to uh my page basically are you mm -hmm. familiar with patreon i am okay. i am indeed i think it's a fantastic and interesting um platform it allows people to donate to support their artists and they get little bonuses or subscriptions as you say you know in business they say that if you don't have a subscription you don't have a business because that reoccurring payment is what keeps a lot of businesses alive it's like a heartbeat you know boom, absolutely boom, boom, it, it really is comes in. Yeah. So because I, I'm, a, I'm a workshop educator, um, that's how my Patreon is structured. So so when when people join my Patreon, they're getting in-depth, full-length tutorial videos on the entire mm -hmm. collage process from from sketch to painting to painting your paper to applying it, uh, prompts, you know, for challenges and um, all, all kinds of things, PDF downloads. I mean, it's, it's my pages, just I, there's something up there, multiple things up there every week. So I took my teaching skills and my online teaching skills and put it into Patreon. And so people who want to be inspired sort of on a regular basis, as opposed to just taking a three-day workshop and then being done, this is like a consistent flow of, of educational content. So it's, it's, yeah, it's what's your really good. What's your address? What's your Patreon handle, address, avatar? So it's pretty, so it's, it's patreon.com slash Elizabeth St. Hilaire, which can be challenging to spell. <laughs> um, so, so if you can't spell St. Hilaire, you can also go to my website, which is paperpaintings.com and there's a Patreon button. Excellent. Love the plug. And we'll put a link down below for all of you guys that are interested. And frankly, I'm interested. I am dying to see your full process. I might have to go and sign up. <laughs> well, I have several um, public posts that are open uh -huh. that people that can go to the Patreon page and just look at them um, uh -huh. under the public tab. You can click on the public tab and then you can see like kind of gives you a feel for, for the sort of content that's there. So. You know, I think it's really neat that you mentioned that you have a free offering because um, we had Jane Davenport on at the end of season two, and she was talking about her most popular course is still hands down her free course. She has a free course on, um, I believe it's drawing um, faces, you know, kind of whimsical girl faces, illustrative style, fashion style. And right. it's it's her... So many of the artists that I talk to, also Carla Sonheim, she's got all these online courses, but she offers free courses for kids on how to turn a, a, a crack in the sidewalk into a funny animal or oh, how yes. to take a blob I've seen shape. the results of that. They're wonderful. Aren't they great? Yes, they're so they're loose wonderful. and so fun. And her process is like you too. She's an educator and she wanted to learn to loosen up. 
Mm. Um, I just find it fascinating that so many artists find their style by kind of uh, necessity of loosening up. Like for me, I have a style right now. I've been doing a lot of Enso paintings, you know, the uh-huh. circles. And it was because I had to find a way to work faster and quicker and portable with my kids. I couldn't do these deeply right. layered multiple exposure photographs and things like that anymore. So I think that's a great great tip is to always have something free in marketing all the online gurus are always having these free offers you know free downloadable pdf free you know this or that they call them an opt-in yeah yeah well i think not only is it beneficial because it's free but it it so i i've been doing something like that for a really long time every friday i do something called tutorial tidbits on youtube Okay. So it's typically a 10 to 15 tidbit tutorial and I do them every Friday and they're on my YouTube channel, which is also Elizabeth St. Hilaire. So you're just going to have to figure <laughs> out how to spell it. Um, <laughs> but I do those for free and, um, and I've been doing them for years because what I hope to, um, what I hope to convey with that, Erin, is my teaching style. So I wanted to, to, you know, have people say, hey, you know what? She's kind of fun. She's funny. She's got a good sense of humor and she's clear and concise in the way that she explains her process. So that was, you know, my way of saying, hey, you know, this is what it's like to take a workshop from me. And it's been very successful. The tutorial tidbits. Definitely. Um, I love it. I love it. You know, that is organic marketing at the finest is when you give for free, when you have something where you show up consistently and you give it away and you show that you're a great teacher. I love it. And, you know, that leads beautifully into Amplify. So we've got this appeals acronym, art, product, presentation, educating, and that leads right into Amplify, A for Amplify. Um, you use YouTube. Do you use any other um, methods? So your licensing has helped you get new customers and Patreon is um, the backbone, the heartbeat of, of a business with your subscription and you've got freebies there and you've got freebies on YouTube. Do you do social media as well? Do you do a lot of people um, do, you know, uh, yeah. email newsletters? Like what other ways do you amplify and find people? I have a MailChimp uh, newsletter. Uh, my mailing list is uh, probably about 3,500 people. Oh, and um, so I try to put um, I try to put content out on the newsletter. I uh, use that for marketing, advertising. I'm on Instagram. Um, mm-hmm. I'm on Pinterest. And I'm on uh, Facebook. Facebook wow. is my primary uh, social media platform. It's, it's mm-hmm. really, it's, mm, it, it's, I used to say it was a hundred percent of where my demographic was, but uh, there they are moving to Instagram. So it's mm. probably maybe 80, 20 or 70, 30 still in favor of Facebook. I have 18,000 um, followers on my studio Facebook page and wow. about, and about six, six something on um, Instagram. So I cover all of those platforms regularly, all, multiple times a day, every single day. How do you do it? Um, I do it from my phone. So I use the Facebook pages manager. Um, I'm just mm-hmm. used to it. I'm in the habit of it. Um, I'm, I'm, uh, I've been doing it for years. And I, I believe that you need to keep your audience engaged and you have to continually uh, fuel that fire. Um, mm-hmm. If you go away and people don't see posts from you for a while, you sort of drop out of their 
their field of vision in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, you know, I learned that about marketing when I was in advertising is that you have to keep bringing yourself to the top of the pile, you know. And do you show like detail work? You know, you said on YouTube, you do your, your, your tidbits. Do, do you post different types of content to each platform? I tried to, yes. And that's a great question because now on the Instagram, I mean, on the Facebook page manager, it gives you this option to just make the same post and plug it to Instagram and Facebook. And I've really never been a fan of that because I think if someone's following you in both places, they don't really want to see the identical content. So I try to make it different. I mean, and what I post is um, photos of my work in progress. Mm -hmm. Um, so that, um, not only to share, uh, with people that are interested in the process, but it also gets uh, potential buyers engaged in the process. And I believe that when someone watches a piece come together from start to finish, they're, they're a little invested in it. And I, uh, I sell, uh, the majority of my work right from my Facebook page. So walk us through how a typical day or a typical piece, how you would, um, both create and, uh, create content for your social media at the same time. Do you have like a kind of a little method like, oh, I do this and then I take a picture and then I do this and then I take a picture. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I do a, I do a sketch first and I'll, I'll photograph that sometimes, not always, cause they're not all that exciting, but sometimes, you know. But I do take photos. I take photos throughout the whole process and and then I, you know, then I'll evaluate what I what I want to post. Um but mm-hmm. I'll so I'll do a sketch and then I do an acrylic underpainting. So it's a full painting with all the shading and colors and composition. Everything's all worked out. And the paintings really could be paintings by themselves, but mm. so then I take pictures of them and then of the painting and then I start um and then I start gluing the paper on top and I'll take, um, and I'll take photos of that in progress. Uh, and then, uh, sometimes I'll post them, you know, if I finish, if it's a small piece and I finish it in one day, I'll post, you know, the, the progression of photos all in one post, you know, so you can swipe oh. through and sort of watch it come together. Cool. Um, or if it's something that's a larger piece, that's going to take me, you know, a week or more, then I'll just post it, you know, sort of as we go along. And I, I take the photos from my phone. I post it from my phone. And I respond to the comments just because that it's just quicker and it's immediate, you know? Yeah. Do you do it right away or do you do it all like before you go to bed and then wake up and do the comments? Or do you do it like every 10 minutes or something like that? Yeah, I kind of do it pretty consistently. I have like at any given time, I have between a 90 and 100 percent response rate to all the comments on on my Facebook page as well. And I think that's also important. I think just posting your work in progress and explaining your process is one thing, but um, you have to engage with your, uh, with your followers or your viewers. And um, when you do that, uh, I think it's helpful. It helps uh, again to sort of, you know, and you um, use that Facebook pages app, like do you turn on notifications so you don't miss people? Like, I mean, with that many followers, how do you not miss stuff? Well, it'll give you a notification and then you can go into the, you can go into, um, unread, you can click on unread messages Mm -hmm. and it'll show you everything that you haven't replied to. Very cool. And I literally reply to everything because, because selling art is about building relationships. So when people feel like they know a little bit about you as the artist, you're going to be more successful in selling your work. And, um, it's about building relationships because most people that buy a painting will come back and buy another one. If they have, if they feel like a little connected to the artist, they had a good experience, they enjoyed Mm -hmm. the back and forth on the comments. Um, 
I've, yeah. I have many, many, many people in my circle that have bought multiple pieces from me over the years. That's fascinating that you sell most of your originals through Facebook. Do you use like a call to action? Do you say, hey, you can buy this or do you have a buy button or? Um, Facebook doesn't let you do a buy button. You could, you could put it in a shop, but that's just going to take too much time. And here's a tip. Um, if you put in the yeah, post, love those. yeah, if you put in the post that it's available for sale or you put a dollar amount, Facebook is going to throttle the traffic of that post because they want you to pay to boost it. So oh. you have to find your way around a saying that it's uh, available without using any words that the algorithm is going to find and think that you're trying to sell a product. So um, what I'm doing now, and other artists are doing this as well, is that um, I'll give a blurb about the piece, and then I'll say, see details in first comment. And then in the first comment, I'll put the price um, and the fact that it's available and what the postage would be. So the financial details I'll put in a comment versus in the post, and then um, it won't get... um, held back by Facebook because they want you to pay to advertise it. So I did not know they were doing that. Great little tip. Yeah. Yeah. So you want to try not to say anything that <laughs> suggests that it's for sale. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. So licensing and contracts, you do a lot of licensing. You've got your artwork on so many products. That is, that is such a nice thing. I mean, that's kind of like the dream of a lot of artists, wouldn't you say, this idea of getting their work on products? Um, I think so, yeah. You know, I mean, we can put our, as artists now, we have great uh, online resources where we can put our work on products ourselves, right? And we could sell it ourselves. But the the benefit to having it licensed is that, you know, you don't have to pay to uh, for the inventory and, and you're, you're just out there getting exposure you know, mm-hmm. and, and the, my agent is making all those connections and contacts for me and that I'm not having to do that, you know, because yeah. there are artists that represent themselves that don't have an agent and they represent themselves and they knock on doors and make phone calls and, and do all that stuff to, to get their work in places. Um, mm-hmm. I just, I just can't imagine adding another responsibility <laughs> to my day. So I'm very grateful for, for my agent and the fact that, you know, I just send him yeah. images. And well, it sounds like you're doing a, it's, it's amazing. It sounds like you're doing an amazing amount of work on social media and marketing. And I think that's brilliant. It, it is. And you know, this is what I tell uh, emerging artists or artists that take my workshop that want to know about, about, you know, making a living at art. The, 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 here's the reality. The reality of it is the licensing for me has been more valuable as exposure than income. Because it's not a huge mm. income. You would think when you see your art everywhere on the planet, you know, mm-hmm. but it's not a huge income. It's a very small percentage of the wholesale price of yeah. that product, which and is very And then you're splitting small. it with the agent too. Yes. And then you're splitting it with the agent. So so the way that, that I uh, made money really in the days when I made money in licensing was, was through the Pier 1 because of the mm. volume, because Pier mm-hmm. 1 ordered so much volume. So when there was huge volume then even that small percentage added up Mm -hmm. um but um 
my, now I lost my train of thought. Oh, that's all right. Yeah. Well, how about tips and tricks for reviewing contracts and licensing terms? Anything you want to offer as advice for? Oh, yes. Well, sort of. You know, Aaron, <laughs> I hate to read more than two lines of text. So, um, you know, and uh, and I've gotten that I've gotten burned by that in some contracts to teach workshops. Mm. Um, so always read your contracts, folks. Always, yeah, always, always, always read your contracts or find someone to read them for you. So that's what I did. I have a friend from Orlando who just is real detail oriented. And when I get a contract to do a workshop, I send it to her and I say, and she knows me, you know, and I'll say, yeah. can you, can you read through this and tell me if, if I'm agreeing to anything in here that I shouldn't, you Great know, tip. and she's really good be, and, and she'll take the time to go through it where, where I just don't have the attention span, uh, to do that. Um, yeah. so, and things that, you shouldn't agree to are sometimes when you go to teach a workshop, they want um, to take 20% of any merchandise that you sell when you're there. And when, when I say merchandise, I mean, I design, um, I have my own line of stencils and rubber stamps and foam stamps. Um, and I bring that stuff to, to workshops. Um, yeah. And then I also have originals uh, that I'll sell at workshops and books. So um, I never that could be agree a big to, chunk of change and tracking yeah. that would be a pain in the butt. Yeah. And I never, I never agree to allowing the workshop host to have a percentage of that because I have to get it there. I had to pay for the shipping. I had to pay for the upfront inventory. Mm -hmm. So I don't agree to that. So she always knows to look for that in there, you know, Good advice. Um, and, uh, you know, a couple of other things. So, so yeah, yeah, definitely have to read your contract. The nice thing about my relationship with my licensing agent is that we had a three-year contract in the beginning that we've, uh, we've, we've never renewed that uh, paperwork because we're just, we have a relationship now that um, we just have a general understanding that we're operating on the same terms, you know? And like I said, it's been yeah. almost 10 years. So that's awesome. So yeah, yeah, it's really good. And, and a majority of workshops honestly don't give you a contract. It's kind of uncommon to get a contract, you know, it's yeah. kind of a verbal agreement with some emails back and forth, but an actual formal contract is really kind of few and far between, but it, you know, it, it comes up. Yeah. All right. And S for success. So we've got art, product, presentation, amplify, educate and amplify, licensing and success. And, you know, do you set goals? Do you set financial goals, pieces, created goals, social media number goals? Like, how do you track and measure your success? Like, how do you do that because I know that we as artists sometimes just bounce from one thing to the next and we don't mm -hmm. stop to celebrate or even to really track because we don't always tend to be these big numbers people well okay so first of all I regained my train of thought from that previous moment <laughs> <laughs> and I just want to say that what I what I tell up up and coming artists is that the reality of being a full-time artist is that I spend 70 percent of my time marketing and less than 30% mm -hmm. of my time actually making art. So mm -hmm. if you want to do this and make a living at it, you have to understand that it is not as much about making art as it is about marketing it. So, mm. so that's the reality. Okay. So, um, and then, um, so in terms of um, tracking what works, there are analytics in Facebook that I look at and I try to make sure that all of those numbers are up. So they'll talk about post reach engagement, mm -hmm. Um, and something else, they have like three things in there. And I look in the page manager app and I try to make sure that all those numbers are up, you know, mm -hmm. if they're coming down, if I get an email from MailChimp that says, you know, 
50 people unsubscribed. Like when I see those numbers going down, then I, then I say, okay, what do I know is generally a post that garners a lot of traffic. Do you um, look at that weekly or monthly? Uh, yeah, probably weekly. Um, I try not to get too obsessed with it, you know, because, right. because a good portion of that is Facebook, you know, determining who sees your post. Not everybody, not all those 18,000 people see every post that I make because yeah. pa- Facebook chooses who gets to see it and who doesn't. So, right. so I can't go too crazy about it, but I do know that if I, if my numbers go down, that I need to think about something, because again, like I had said previously, you have to keep um, fueling that fire. So if mm-hmm. the fire is going out, you got to give it some oxygen because um, it's important to keep that going, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's, I know um, that I'm horrible with tracking numbers. I'm trying to get better. I'm actually trying to come up with a system for myself, but the numbers kind of scare me. I, I find them unpleasant to look at. <laughs> I don't like numbers either, but I also don't like systems. See, you sound a little more organized than me. I'm just kind of all over the place. Like, you know, I jump from one thing to another, check, check the Facebook, do this, do that. Da, da, da. Like I'm, and when you said we don't stop to celebrate our successes, that that's very true of me too, because, um, yeah, I think that as a self-employed artist, we, um, we're a little worried all the time about, about, where's the next, what, where's the next bit of income going to come from? So as much as you want to be jumping up and down because you sold a painting, really my focus is already down the road on what what is going to be the next, um, you know, sale or how am I going to facilitate some income in a, in a different way? Uh, Yeah. Because, um, because we should celebrate our successes, but in a way, you know, it's like, you just have to keep on, keep on going. Yeah, you got to keep on trucking. You always got to be looking for the next opportunity, always. And I learned that as a freelance graphic artist. You know, you could never just get comfortable and sit on your current clients. You always had to assume that eventually you would lose a current client. And so you you should always be looking for the next opportunity. Yeah. And what works now, you know, what works, what is working now, which like I had mentioned is Patreon, isn't what was working a year ago, which was teaching in person. And Mm -hmm. then... Um, you know, and then pre-recorded online classes worked really well. And then we shifted to live with Zoom. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, it is all about the next thing and staying current, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think we have covered some amazingly awesome tips, tricks, advice, some great, great advice on how to be a professional creative. I want to thank you Absolutely. so much for sharing all your expertise and uh, we will include show notes to all of the different links, Patreon links and uh, workshop links and everything, her websites, everything down below. Thank so you. look for those. I want to thank you for coming on. Well, thanks for having me, Erin. Um, it's, uh, it's been a pleasure. It's, uh, it's always fun to talk to other creative people. And, um, and the questions that you ask are, are the things that most people want to know. <laughs> so I think it's going to be a great episode. Excellent. Excellent. Well, thank you. Do you want to learn how to make money with your art, but you're a little bit pressed for time and you don't have time to listen to every single episode? Well, we've made a free download for you at howtomakemoneywithyourart.com. You can get your free download and it includes the top four things you need to do today to start making money with your art. So if you want to learn how to make money with your art, but you're pressed for time, get the free download over at howtomakemoneywithyourart.com. All one word, no spaces, all spelled out. That's howtomakemoneywithyourart.com. Get your free download now.